Then came Remembrance Day, November the 11th, 1975. After meetings with both leaders, the Governor-General announced that he was dismissing Mr Whitlam and appointing Mr Fraser as caretaker Prime Minister until a general election decided the issue. An angry Mr Whitlam responded to his sacking in a speech on the steps of Parliament House. Well, may we say, God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. The proclamation which you have just heard read by the Governor-General's official secretary was countersigned Malcolm Fraser. Who will undoubtedly go down in Australian history from Remembrance Day 1975 as Kerr's Kerr. A bitter and sometimes violent campaign followed. But the election on December the 13th... Brett, g'day again. How are you? What day is it? I, I'm, I'm starting to get to that point where I don't know what day it is, where I am, what planet I'm on. It's NFI day. Yeah, no fucking N- yeah, idea. Don't go there. Don't go there. But but it's a bit like that because I'm, I'm, I'm losing track too. Um you know, it's it's just that you know I haven't been operating to a to a set calendar. Have you? No, I haven't. Have you got a? I, <clears throat> we forgot the dad joke for Charlie Staunton's interview. So uh, where's your dad joke? I've got one. Tell me. I went to the doctors the other day, and he said you've got a serious illness. And, oh, I, and I said I want a second opinion, and he said, "Well, you're ugly as well." <laughs> oh, oh, let's move on, shall we? Okay. I don't have one. I don't have a dad joke. I, 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 I can't. For, for the life of me, I can never remember them. No, I have a lot. I have longer jokes. Yeah, but that's be right. too, I'll be wasting time, and I'm not going to tell anyone. Not at the moment. But who do we have on today, Brett? Today, <clears throat> today's interviews. Uh, let me do a little story around this. So, I, okay. I, I, you, as you know, my father passed away a couple of weeks ago, and yes. um, and I was elected by the family to do the eulogy. And uh, I was pretty stressed and nervous about doing a eulogy. Usually my brother or my father do all the speeches in our family. and yep. uh, But by some strange coincidence, I had been listening to a, an interview on a podcast, uh, Conversations with Richard Feidler, with a guy named Tony Wilson. Mm-hmm. And Tony uh, has been a, a speech writer and a speech giver um, for many years, he's written um, several books, and he has a website called Speakola where he stores speeches, just like wiki quotes or one of those things. And all um, oh, right. Anyway, he he gave me some tips on how to write the eulogy via the interview with Richard Feidler, which I took up. And after the funeral, I I felt that I should uh, thank him for giving me some direction, even though he didn't know he gave me the direction. And uh, I emailed him and I thought, gee, maybe we could see if he'd come on and jump on Float Your Boat and tell us about what he does and why he does it and maybe some of his favourite speeches. And he said, yes. So there's the story. Um, yeah. Tony Wilson. Well, I- well, I wanted, I wanted to say, firstly, my condolences on behalf of all our listeners to, uh, with the passing of your father. But, but yes. if they wanted to, if they wanted to get a, a look into you and 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 how you handle that uh, eulogy, yep, I guess they can they can go go to Facebook and and uh, look it up. Is that correct, Brett? Yeah, or you could go to Speakola because I think um, Tony's going to put the eulogy up on his site, which is very gracious of him. Yeah, um, it was a, hard, a very hard thing to do, as you probably know, because I think you've had to do it for your father. Yeah, um, it's not one of those things that you ever look forward to. But I must no. say, afterwards, I thought I'm a gun speaker. I'm going to do this for a living. You're so, pretty good, Brett. Um, you know, I, I'm sure your dad would have been proud of you if he, um, you know, if he could see you. Um, you you handled it very well, and and uh, being you being you 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 wore your heart on 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 your sleeve, which is which is a tribute to um you know 
Who says you're a, you're a, you're a tough man? Who says you're a dickhead? Most people, but <laughs> <laughs> and my mother, my mother calls me a dickhead all the time. I <laughs> know oh, she In fact, does. she hung up on me yesterday after she said you're a dickhead and hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just love it when so when your mother calls you a dickhead? Yeah. <laughs> it takes you back to when you were four years old. That's I'm right. sure it does. Right. I'm sure it does. Look, I um. I think uh, the other thing that I'd like, I'd like to say that, that we should do a shout out to uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful Lucy in uh, in Switzerland and Germany, who uh, has Hi, been an avid, she's been an avid listener of of our podcast for well for many years, um, and she sends us lots and lots and thank you notes and um, and comments about our, she our does. podcast. She's our number yep. one fan. And as yep. you as you've seen, George, this week we're very excited to see we've had um, we've charted in lots of countries on the charts. That was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I, I mean, we we haven't been able to verify those those uh, those stats uh, with other sources, have we? But but it's very surprising. What yeah. what have we achieved, Brett? You know, tell oh, our I, I can't remember the numbers, but let, there's there's a, there's over a million podcasts worldwide, and we're about in our in our sector, which is society and culture, we're um, sitting at about eleven hundred and eighty out of one hundred and eighty thousand podcasts. Which so we're in the top seven percent. Which which is pretty exciting, really, because we did start this this the float your boat. If you don't know, listeners, if you're new listeners, was started at the Bondi Surf Club with George and I, who used to sit on the balcony and pontificate to anybody that had uh, stop on the way by and we'd give them advice <laughs> our sagely advice and somebody one day said you two dickheads should start a podcast and there's that word again that's right and and we said yeah what the hell we'll start a podcast and that was yeah we said yeah that's yeah, a great idea let's do that let's get some news <laughs> guys anyway so we <laughs> little did, did we know little did we know what shit we were getting ourselves into <laughs> three years down the track we've made it made it into the top seven percent oh so, we've made it <laughs> so exciting so listen let's uh let's get on with this episode today's episode should be a cracking one with tony wilson Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Now, your, 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 uh, your website, uh, Speakola, um, just reminds me of, um, you know, it doesn't make cashola? No. Do you know that I've just... Um, I don't know if you want to ask this on on the podcast, but I've just received my first hundred dollars. In fact, I haven't even received it yet, but I am able to invoice my first hundred dollars in Speak Ola history um, wow. because I've got a sponsor for the podcast. For wow, um, wow, fantastic! Wow. Congratulations, <laughs> the avocado people. <laughs> they, uh, they have. Uh, they're tipping oh, in a hundred bucks. I, um... oh, gosh, I just pulled it. I just pulled my um my microphone cord, my headset out oh, no. of the I... plug. But but don't spend it all at once, Tony. Yeah. No. Well, am I still coming along, or am I? Am I? Have you lost me? No, no I'm here. No, no you're, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It was just me. It was just me moving around a little bit. Uh, but uh, Tony, uh, yeah, hundred dollars. I mean, that's a milestone for, for for anyone that's been podcasting for a while. We we know that that's a major milestone. So congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, the um. The, I put out the, an ad for just a friend's restaurant, actually, mm-hmm. and sort of said he's struggling in the pandemic, help him out. And mm-hmm. um, and I said, and there's a spot for an ad if anyone wants it. And I was cold called by the avocado people. So wow. it works. That's, that's good. Yeah. I, actually, I, we, um, we've got one. We've got our um, one sponsor as well, um, the Bondi Broker. 
Um, oh, yeah. Well, avocados go well down at Bondi. Smashed yeah, avo. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we, I even got sent a box of avocados. So I'm, I'm getting avocados for comment. And um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony, <laughs> Tony, that's not quite how it works. But anyway, you're close. <laughs> so uh, w- welcome, Tony, to uh, Float Your Boat. Um, I can edit out all the other stuff earlier on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, yeah. Thanks mate. for agreeing to come on to the podcast. I was just telling George um, how this came about, mm. um, and it, it came about just so I think I told you from um, your interview with uh, Conversations and, um, and talking about eulogies, and it prompted me to, well, uh, it was because of you that I think I got through my eulogy for my father. Well, your, your eulogy is excellent. Um, you sent it over to me. And once I've dealt with your love of Caps Lock, um, I'm going <laughs> to put the text of your eulogy up. It was, a, it was a magnificent tribute to your dad. And, and I actually do hear that quite a bit, that Speak Ola has become a great resource for people who are, who are often in the, one of the most stressful weeks of their life and trying to think what they're going to say and only a couple of days to work out what it's going to be. Um, yep. And it's really helpful to be able to go through, you know, I think there's over a hundred um, not famous people's eulogies because obviously a big celebrity eulogy kind of has a certain shape and and um, and and mode to it. But it's really good if you're just trying to say goodbye to a, a, a father or a mother or a sibling um, or a friend or a teacher. It's really good just to know that other people have done it. The reason I used caps lock is because I was. Um fearful that i wouldn't be able to see the the words well enough so i made them you know 28 point or something like that so it ended up being like 20 pages or something ridiculous like that well brett that's actually if i'm giving advice to people about reading and um and printing out speeches that's almost the the golden rule what you did is exactly right because um I think it's great if you can memorise a speech and not use notes, but that's not most of us. Um, and if you're going to do that, if you're going to use notes, most people read them and they've got their small type and their heads are buried in them. But if you can get it big, then often you do kind of move into that eyes up and and between the you know addressing the audience and looking at your page. And it's I think it's a great balance. I go above, I go twenty point, but um, yeah, certainly good on you. Well, you're only forty-seven, right? So I'm I'm fifty-eight. I had to go up a few points. Yeah, no, no. fair enough. You know, you know, Tony, Tony. Uh, many years ago, in the mid '90s, I did a whilst I was kicking back and had uh, whiling away the hours thinking of what to do. I did a a short course at uh, New South Wales University on uh, an evening course on uh, English literature, and uh, and one of the components was uh, dissecting great speeches of uh, of the past and. Uh, I collected a few books on um, on great speeches and a, a thoroughly enjoyable read. But it's it's good to know that someone like you is actually um, you know putting everything together and and uh, and making making it accessible to people. Um, how how did you come across? Like what what got you started in in that area? Collecting speeches, or well, sort of. I actually got to the point where I felt like I'd done almost every sort of speech. So I was the guy in the 21st year where I kind of got rolled out, <laughs> you know, on the scene. I was on the tour as a 21st speaker. I was even horrified. Someone once asked me to do a 19th birthday speech, and I was like, really? <laughs> what am I doing a 19th for? Uh, but I did those um, young years, and then I went on the wedding circuit for a while, and then um, – you know, I did an acceptance speech along the way, and 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 then I did this thing called Race Around the World, which was a um, documentary making show where you visited ten countries around the world in a hundred days, and and that was broadcast on the ABC. Um, yeah, right. A real li- a life changer, actually. I went to you know Idaho, Alaska. I went to Italy, Lebanon, France, Israel, Kenya, India, and China. And, and we got graded on each video that we made over there by filmmakers. And, and I actually won the 1998 series of Race Around the World. And so I, I delivered an acceptance speech for that. Um, and, and so I found that I was speaking all the time. I, and very sadly, in, the, in about 2014, I delivered a eulogy for my best man, um, right. who, who was a brilliant speaker himself. Um, 
I sort of felt like, oh, I've got the set of these, you know, I've, I've done every type of speech. Where is the kind of repository of speeches? Where's the place where you go and, you know, there's a place called WikiQuote. If you're interested in knowing what famous people have said, um, you go to WikiQuote and, and pretty much the quote is up there. But, but I was thinking, where's the place for speeches where the speeches are all up there, the famous mm. ones? And, and then when I was thinking about my own experience, I was thinking, well, and the not famous ones. And what if you could just send in a speech to someone and it would go up and join the speech bank? Um, and so I, I started it. It was one of those ones where, you know, it took me a few weeks to work out how Squarespace worked and how to upload text and a photo. And, and um, I just started doing it. And I started with 10 speeches and then it, that became 50. And then I started looking for lists of great speeches. And just in my spare time, instead of gardening, I put speeches up on Speakola and, and I'm up over, I must be getting close to 3,000 speeches now. Wow, that's a that's and these are three thousand. These are three thousand speeches uh, written by people um, using your coaching, or um, no, are they written by you. No, they're certainly not all written by me. They're, they're written by Barack Obama and Barack Obama's got speech it. writers, and then we've got also it. got um, speeches by Oprah. And there's fifteen Academy Award or thirty Academy Award acceptance speeches up, and put one up for Robin Williams yesterday. Um, Jack Jack Nicholson couldn't be bothered doing his own acceptance at one awards, and and Robin Williams steps up and gives this very funny um, acceptance. So basically I just trawl for great speeches of any type. Um, and, and so the, the famous ones are the ones that are easy for me to spot online. And the really lovely ones, are, you know, Brett sending me the eulogy for his dad and suddenly I've got a window into a life, um, you know, that, that's probably remarkable in its own way, but it's a, it's a small life compared to, you know, Robin Williams's that we all hear about. It's sometimes just nice to, to know that um, families are honouring family members and, and, and that's up on the side as well. Well, that's, uh, that's what Float Your Boat's all about. We, we started Float Your Boat with the idea of, of, of giving voice to people's stories um, that wouldn't necessarily or normally be recorded. Um, so, yeah, it's a, that's... that's very similar in lots of ways, and and that's why we wanted to get you because whilst you're semi-famous now, <laughs> we uh, we thought, <clears throat> you know, what a great idea, what a great thing you're doing. Well, I, I hope so, and and it's it's actually quite a, a, you know, like I talk about instead of gardening, I do a bit of gardening as well, but it really is uplifting to to read these stories, um, to get um, to find out the most personal parts of people's lives sometimes go into these um, eulogies in particular, uh, but sometimes birthday speeches as well. And, and they're often really funny as well, like really great anecdotes. I've, I've been a novelist or I, I am a novelist. I've written two novels. Um, I haven't actually written a novel for adults since 2010, but I wrote two um, in that decade. Um, but, you know, and so I love collecting little stories and hearing the details of people's lives, and 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 I, I think often great eulogies have that little slither of the person that is told. It's not the overall impression of the person might be that they were a community organizer or big at the footy club or really fastidious or huge appetite, and these sort of things come across as generalities. But stuff we really bond with in a speech is. A story, you know, like um, the eulogy I gave for my best man and best mate, Chris Daff. Um, you know, when, when I met him, we were in a uh, a boardroom. We we're both we we're all article clerks, and they were, we were being introduced to the firm. So there's seventy or eighty or a hundred people having a cocktail drink in a boardroom, and Daff fainted. He was just in the middle of us all, and then just collapsed to the ground, um, horizontal, and 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 the kind of moment. This is how I started his eulogy. The moment I realised he was extraordinary is, is when he comes to, when his eyes flick open, um, he just sticks his hand up in, vertically like he's giving a handshake and says, G'day, Chris Daffy. <laughs> so he introduced himself to these peering eyes of 100, you know, 80 people <laughs> and just the, the calm under pressure, not to be embarrassed or not to be flustered, but to, to kind of seize the moment and make a really funny joke. 
when you're coming out of unconsciousness from fainting <laughs> was just like man you're you are unbelievable and 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 so it proved to be and and that, and that eulogy which is up on speakola if you look up um tony wilson and chris staffy on speakola it's it's a series of those extraordinary anecdotes of what a person he was and, and and I know you were you were doing that as well, Brett, in your eulogy. But you know, mm. just to to give the audience a taste of the eccentricities and the personality, you need to know those little morsels. Mm. Yes. Now, now, how do you how do you um, qualify something as a great speech? Like, what what makes a great speech great? Well, this is sometimes when you're looking at the. The, the Winston Churchills of the world, or the Barack Obamas, um, the, the the public policy speeches, the state of the world, state of the nation, declarations of war, um, declarations of peace, um, abdications, these sort of momentous history-making speeches that get passed down to us almost in history class. Um, the ones that stand out there have a certain shape to them. It's a different test that's applied to what I'd apply to myself and Brett in putting up our eulogies or our mm -hmm. birthday speeches. I actually don't apply a test there. So I say that if the speech is written with love and is not offensive and is, um, is about, it's about sharing the stories however well they're told in kind of a traditional writing sense, so Brett said, is my speech good enough? And his speech is easily good enough. You know, it's written with, with humour and love and, um, and I, I don't apply a test. So if anyone's got a speech out there that they want to send Speakola, great. I'm, I'm going to put it up. I'm not going to put you under the microscope and say, hey, you dropped an infinitive at the end of that last sentence. You're, um, you're done. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so basically, I, um, you know, I, 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 I welcome all contributions. But when I'm looking myself, what makes a great speech? Um, there's there's so many elements, and uh, unlike a kind of the TED talk format, where I think you can sometimes feel like you're getting almost the McDonald's of speeches, they're mm. they're often mm. wonderful um, and and really engaging, and and but there's a, a structure that you get a little bit used to, I guess, with TED talks. Sometimes um, some stand out and break away from the structure, and some are truly excellent within the structure, but. What I love about Speakola is it could be someone just standing on a chair at a pub and they yell a poem out. Um, in fact, there's a guy who gives an impromptu eulogy in Ireland um, uh, who is uh, someone farmer. Um, I can't remember. If you looked that up, eulogy and farmer, you'd find it. But he sings Mr. Brightside standing on a pub in Ireland. And, you know, that's a much different speech to a TED talk. Um, and, and so really, I just look for in what, what engages me, what captures me, what keeps my attention the whole way through. Sometimes it'll be the topic. At the moment, we've got, I've got, put up quite a few speeches about Black Lives Matters um, as these, because it, it's just a, a topic where it's sweeping the, the world and, and a lot of people are speaking passionately and eloquently about the issue. Mm. And so a few of those speeches have been going up in the, in the last couple of weeks. And, and in some cases, it's the issue, the way that you can express what it feels to be on the outside, what it feels to experience racism, um, th that, that will be at the heart of the speech. Sometimes it'll be humour that's the thing that grabs me, um, that it's just so funny, you're laughing throughout. Um, in that Robin Williams one I mentioned before where he takes over Jack Nicholson's award, Robin Williams is one of three nominees in that category and the other two nominees tie for the award. So he's the only one in the category that has <laughs> lost. And so he gives up, he stands up and gives a speech about what it feels like to be totally told that you were the worst in the category. <laughs> and, it's, and so it's just, and he's a genius of the 20th century, right? So he's a, he's a once in a hundred years sort of talent. And it flows out of him. Um, and, and so the test there is, I'm, I'm not really talking structure, I'm just laughing because he's so funny. Uh, and then with some political speeches like, let's say, um, uh, Fight Them on the Beaches or Yes We Can by Barack Obama, mm. the, the thing that makes the, the, the strength of the speech is sometimes the, the style of oratory, you know, the, the way that um, the volume is used, the rule of threes, the tremor in the voice, the kind of gospeling style, and you know these sort of things can 
um, the manner of a speech can elevate it into greatness or, or the or the tagline yes we can you know that, that rings out and, and rings out constantly throughout a speech and you know and that becomes the thing that you remember so it's very hard to say what makes a great speech because there's there's probably 20 ingredients in the cake where any one of them can can rise up and be the key ingredient um, but when you're listening to one you normally know that you are and now here's a word from our sponsor Hi, it's Gino from Bondi Broker. In today's changing times, the importance of health and financial security has never been more important. At Bondi Broker, we work with you to improve your financial security by offering free financial health checks, assisting in reducing your debt, and gain competitive rates to improve your cash flow. Bondi Broker gets you in the best financial health so you can focus on what matters most. Visit our website today for your free consultation at bondibroker.com.au. You know, in your movies and and TV genre, the uh, the the group fo- the group photo happens to be Charlie Chaplin's The Dictator, um, the Great Dictator. Yeah, that's great so dictator. that's when I, th- I I I made a category, um, and in in some ways it's the most popular category, the one that gets searched the most, and and some of these speeches get lots and lots of views. Um, so things like the funeral speech from four weddings and a funeral um, for you know for the larger than life Gareth where stop all the clocks um, that Auden poem that one's up there uh, the, the the what's the El Pacino football halftime speech is it uh, every inch by inch that one's up there um, Charlie Chaplin great dictator so that's Charlie Chaplin's one's you know just an iconic. Mm. famous address and so anything that counts as a monologue i keep on thinking if i get a spare two or three days i'll really do a youtube troll for 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 or 500 great movie speeches because if if there's a thin section in speakola i've probably only got 20 or 30 speeches up there but i could i could have a thousand and if i was a better um website if i was had my eye on the traffic more um, they really are good catches uh, of eyes, um, the, the, the movie speeches, because it seems people search them. So um, even more so than the famous political speeches. So I should have more, um, but that great dictator one, for people who haven't heard it, I mean, it's, uh, it's just incredible. And um, it's don't let them turn you into brutes. Um, it's, it's an appeal to the, to the military not to obey the direction of a dictator. Um, and it's by a barber. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Great Dictator, but it's a I have. Mm. It's, a, it's a classic and a ripper. Um, and and in very that that speech was written for a film that came out in 1940. So when you think that things like um, the Final Solution were not amazing, were not really evident to the world in 1940, um, that that this was uh, you know, it really rings true when you think of what happened in World War Two, and and um, that and, and Chaplin was writing this in a comedy, so you know it was one of those moments where um, you get you had true satirical power and um, political power um, in this voice of the barber. Yeah, I mean, you feature some some great great moments in uh, cinematic history, like uh, you know Gregory Peck and Orson Welles and Mel Gibson in uh, <laughs> yeah Braveheart. Braveheart. I mean, yeah, yeah. classics of stuff that people are familiar with. But uh, yeah, I, I guess that genre is endless, really. If you dug uh, deep, if you dug yeah, you deep. can send me send me a list. If any of you are listening, I'm Tony at tonywilson.com.au. So you can just send me or submit through the website a suggestion. So I was just thinking, there's that one. Been meaning to put up Tyrion Lannister gave a speech mm. in Game of Thrones. It's just a ripper, and I, I remember watching it at the time, going, oh, "I've got to find that on YouTube one day and put it up." But I haven't put it up that one up yet. Well, uh, Tony, what what um, of all of all the um, genres that um, that you that you've listed on your website, wh- which one excites you the most? Which one has real personal pull? Oh, the eulogies, I think. So when I get a eulogy, um, you know, I feel like I am offering a bit of a service um, that people get to remember loved ones and, and send around the link and and have this um, thing preserved up online um, for someone that was important to them. So I'd say that, yeah, the eulogy section I'm very proud of and, and I've got um, a couple of hundred up there now, I reckon. 
Mm. Um, and then the political ones. So that's a bit of a documentation of our world. And, and I've tried to make it international as well. So, you know, Patrice Lumumba might have given a, a brilliant independence speech, uh, I think, for the Congo um, in about 1960. Um, and, and, you know, we don't, not many Australians would have been following that little slither of world history. No. But, but it's, a, it's a brilliant speech and one that's a timeless speech in terms of um, pan-African independence. And so, um, so it's important to a lot of people around the world, that speech. Um, and so what I'm trying with Speakola is to not be geographic, not, not just be Australia and not just be the US and not just be the UK, although uh, naturally those three places have bobbed up more than others because um, just for exposure and for the way in which, you know, the, these countries dominate social media suggestions and that sort of thing. So whilst I am mainly comprised of speeches from those countries, I, I specifically go out and look up what are the 20 best Indian speeches. And so there's all these independent speeches. And in fact, my next episode of the podcast is going to be an interview with a guy called Ramachandran Guha who's a, a historian from India, and he's going to talk about Nehru's Tryst with Destiny. And Tryst with Destiny was a speech that was given on the stroke of midnight when India became a nation um, in 1947. Mm -hmm. And so um, a famous, beautiful speech that was de delivered by, um, by Nehru. And so this historian is going to talk me through what happened that night and what that speech means and how it was structured, and, and he'll be wonderful. Um, but, you know, it's very Indian, you know, that moment, whilst it's very important yeah. in world history, is most important in Indian history. Yes. So, you know, my, my goal is to not be too parochial, um, to, for it to be a true bank of great speeches around the world. And, and I think the political section represents that the best. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have a, a favourite political speech? Is there one that stands out in your mind as being, well... Let's pick Australia. Is there an Australian political speech that you think it really stands out? There are a few. The ones that get on the list, so um, Julia Gillard's misogyny speech is pretty amazing and very fluent and, uh, you know, an evisceration. And similarly, Paul Keating gave one in the early 90s that's called the cultural cringe speech um, where... John Howard had talked about how the 50s was a golden age and, and Keating goes on a rampage really in, in saying that what the 50s really were. And, and, mm. and, and, and it's just talking about, you know, that this was the golden age where Australia stagnated um, and that really we needed to be shaken awake in the 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that's a really good speech. The, but two, I guess that... Um, that I think aren't very well known. There's a beautiful speech that's given by John Gorton, who's going to become, it's, it's, it's in the weeks after he returns from World War II. He was an airman. John and, Gorton. Uh, John most Gorton. People, most people wouldn't remember him, Tony. No, yeah. no, he's, uh, he's well dead now. But um, he gave one to other returned soldiers where he asked them to picture the ghosts of their dead um, fighting brothers um, and... This was at a Kerrang RSL, and the text remains of that speech. And the Australian newspaper rated that as the best unknown speech of the 20th century, which is, which is why I um, tracked it down. And it, it really is a, a beautiful image as he pays tribute to the, the dead of World War II. Um, that's one that I've, I've got a, a real soft spot for. And then, again, back to Keating, I'll say um, the unknown soldier. So he gave a dedication, a eulogy for the unknown soldier in about 1995, I think, at, at, the, at, the, commemorate, at, at the War Memorial in Canberra. And uh, that's a fabulous speech. And I notice you also have one uh, dedicated to um, Gough Whitlam as well yeah so goff's up there with its time his campaign launch for the 1973 election but his most famous one of course and and when you know whenever i do a segment on radio and they make an intro and indeed for my own speak all a podcast intro i've um you know grabbed the well may they say 
well, well, may they say God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor General. <sighs> no, that's that's an electrifying um, few words, you know, and just the the you know you talk about delivery and the the tone of the voice and the way he drew that line out and the way it reflects on itself. Um, it's it's pretty masterful. And masterful, and 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 considering it was written on the fly. Oh, amazing, isn't it? I wonder it, if he it got probably it. wasn't even written at, at that point. It was something he concocted in his head. I wonder if he had it. I'd love to. I haven't heard enough. In fact, this is one of the reasons I'm doing the podcast is that, you know, these things often become very famous and quite iconic and the words get quoted over and over again. And, um, and yet there's, there might be a little story. And I'm not going to hear it from Goff, obviously, but someone might um, have recorded exactly how Goff got those words um, mm, and I could mm. speak to that person and ask them about it but it just would be interesting to know if it was completely like he stood up there with nothing and then went bleh and out it came or was he walking down the steps and oh that's not a bad phrase and I might use that or, or did he say it in the office beforehand as a rehearsal you know speeches have those stories and, and the aim of the podcast has been to try to um, to work them out, and so you know, like you, I'm interested to know how he did it. Well, it, 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 oh, it's just sorry, sorry, Brett. It's just remarkable on that point that that some people, like in the in the midst of their greatest turmoil, can actually come up with such stuff. Oh. No. Well, the um the ones that the, I gave a segment on ABC Radio. I've been doing a breakfast chat with Sammy J here in Melbourne about um the Speakola site and we take a theme each week and and we went with um speeches under pressure it was actually in the aftermath of George Floyd's brother Terence Floyd stood on a corner in Minneapolis where he's where his brother had died and picked up a megaphone and gave gave this speech you know really saying don't loot and don't riot but it was tremendously um, powerful it was the combination of outrage and also that attempt to pacify an angry population brilliant effort from terence floyd and, and so the topic was um speeches under pressure you mm. know and and goff came to mind another one that comes to mind is just you asked my favorite speech on the site maybe my favorite speech from around the world on the site is robert kennedy's speech in the aftermath of the death of martin luther king and um he yeah was not, he was, he's, he's in Indianapolis, I think, and uh, he's on a flatbed truck. He was going to do a campaign stop on his own presidential campaign, and um, he finds out about the death of Martin Luther King while he's on the plane. So, you know, he has to ditch his um, stump speech and work out what he's going to do. And he scribbled some notes on the back of a piece of paper, and this is one hour before he spoke. Um, and then he speaks without those notes, just looking at the crowd and gives his speech about, uh, you know, violence and the menace of violence. And he quotes this uh, Greek poem by Aeschylus. And, you know, the, there's there's a kind of a version on YouTube that's got a bit of syrupy music popped behind it. And I guarantee you'll weep <laughs> by the end of it. It's such a powerful and beautiful um, uh, selection of words. And, you know, so so that's that's pressure, isn't it? You know, just being able to deliver in that moment when when the world is watching um and some people can do it yeah that that, that was actually featured in a um in a netflix documentary uh, uh it's called burn right M mother effing yeah yeah, burn. yeah 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 <laughs> and and it was about uh you know the the race rights that um you know flared up in la and um and then followed with the death of Martin Luther King and, and uh, Robert Kennedy was featured. And it was just a showcase in, in leadership at the time of crisis that, that, um, that was being compared to what was going on recently in America. And there was, you know, a stark contrast in leadership there. Yeah, well, it is, it is the, the, the speech. There are none of the speeches coming out of Trump. I, I have put Trump up as a... I noticed as, as a historical actor, I think I want the site to represent um, important moments in history, and so his inaugural speech is up, and a couple of his um, campaign speeches. I'm, I'm but, surprised you did that because it it didn't. I mean, it's it, it would have been surprising. It would be surprising for a lot of people to see he was up yeah. there. 
<laughs> well, I, I try not to. My my view on him is that he gets so much oxygen. It seems as though we live in this world where, you know, it's almost a it's the fifty percent of the news is Trump, and then the the whole rest of the world gets the other fifty percent, and it's it feels really out of whack. And and so I mm. try not to talk to talk about him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try not to feature him or promote him. Um, but he, yeah, he's he's crept onto the site as a as a significant historical figure. I was going to ask, Trump springs to mind, but I was going to ask, is there, have you got many speeches on there of people that think they can speak really well <laughs> that obviously <laughs> can't? So in terms of bad speeches, I, I made the slogan for the speech. I made the slogan for Speak Ola, all speeches great and small. And so if mm-hmm. it's notable and captivating because it's so bad, I do put it up, and the actually one that's really popular, and it's a real hit on YouTube as well, is by this. Um, he's kind of a tiny little politician, really. Um, he's a candidate for the Stark County Treasurer, oh uh, Phil Davison. <laughs> Phil Davison. Phil Davison, and Phil Davison goes on this. Um, he's kind of married to his notes, and he doesn't know whether to read them, and he's pacing back and forth, and he just starts sort of screaming and ranting. In a really funny way, where he's completely out of control, um, and it just makes me laugh. It makes everyone laugh. And and, uh, and one of the good things about it, um, if, if you do end up playing a little bit of this, um, I've featured this guy, put him up on Twitter and stuff, and he's a really good sport about it. He um, yeah, right. he always says he he kind of loves his um, little moment of fame as one of the worst speakers on the planet. <laughs> what, did he, what, what, what what kind of messages did he send you? Like, what did he say? Ah, uh, he just he just retweeted my tweets and things. So you'd think if he <laughs> right. was hiding from it, he'd be. Um, <laughs> he, but he, he quite he quite likes the the you know the fact that the clip is viral. Ladies and gentlemen of the Star County Republican Party Executive Committee, good evening, and thank you not only for your attendance, but for allowing me the opportunity to speak. My name is Phil Davison, and I am seeking our party's nomination for the position of Star County Treasurer on November 10th, November of 2010, excuse me. In terms of my background, I am from the village of Minerva, where I am serving my 13th year as a of elected service as a Minerva Council member. In terms of education, I have a bachelor's degree in sociology, a bachelor's degree in history, a master's degree in public administration, and a master's degree in communication. In terms of elections across Star County, I have represented our party twice on the county ballot in both the primary and the general elections when I ran for Star County Clerk of Courts in 1996 and Star County Commissioner in 2000 and I will not apologize for my tone tonight. I have been a Republican in times good and I have been a Republican in times bad. Albert Einstein issued one of my most favorite quotes in the history of the spoken word, and it is as follows. In the middle of opportunity, excuse me, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. I'm going to repeat that so I have clarity tonight. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. This is the opportunity we've been waiting for. The Star County Treasurer's Office is a mess. It is in dire need of structure and guidance. And now is the time to seize this opportunity with an aggressive campaign and an even more aggressive campaigner. If nominated tonight, I promise each and every person in this room, I will hit the ground running, come out swinging, and end up winning. Let's send a message tonight to the people of Star County.
But um, but this guy is a much less malevolent force. He's just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he's not thinking in advance that this is going to go viral. He's just trying to remember his speech and well, he's you, very good at it. Well, you did your best to help it go viral. Which yeah, is great. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, Tony, what's, uh, what's next uh, plan for you um, with Speak Hole or with your books? Well, I do. Um, you, you mentioned at the start, is it a how-to? How do you teach people to speak, and, yeah. and whether the speech, whether the site took that form? And I do think that that there's a real opportunity for me, given how much I've immersed myself in the um, in the speeches and learnt stuff about them and looked at the rhetorical techniques. There's the chance for me to visit people that want to speak better and become a, a coach of mm. sorts and so you know i've changed the about page to reflect the fact that i have been doing that i've been um i've been to i've been contracted a few times now to do that talk where i dip into speak Ola and show what phil davison's doing as what not to do and what barack obama is doing as what what to do mm. um and, and also using the less famous examples as well because you know, there's an intimidation factor with uh, speakers like Barack Obama and Martin yeah. Luther King. Yeah. You can you can show them as much as you like, but really, it's that's that's not the speaking world that most of us are living in. Mm. Um, but then there's there's lots of other speeches where you know uh, mortals can aspire to it, you know, and and um, and and I think I can help people become better speakers. Can so the the idea behind the podcast is to first of all improve the historical record so that we know how great speech has happened yeah. uh, and also bring attention to some speeches that people don't know much about. Um, but it's also to sort of increase this idea that I am a speeches guy, you know, which is the conversations thing with Richard Feidler really helped. Mm. Um, the, the traffic to the site keeps increasing. Um, so there's, I think there's a sense that even though um, we were talking, you know, we're talking maybe off air before about, my uh, $100 worth of avocados being the, the site's net gain so far in a, in a, in a sense, um, I do think it's got a lot of potential because, you know, I had 1.3 million hits last year. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's great. So I'm, I'm going to keep adding the speeches and keep uh, enjoying, you know, being immersed in this stuff. And I think it's, a, you know, it's actually just a thing of beauty, probably the most beautiful thing I've ever created. That's great. Um, that's great. But in, in, you know, outside of Speakola, I write books. I've got a picture book coming out in a couple of weeks called um, "Humpty Dumpty Sat on the Slide," um, right. and one of my—it's part of a series of uh, kind of backstories to nursery rhymes. I've done done really nearly twenty books, um, and then the other one that's going for grown-ups at the moment um, is a sports history book called "1989: The Great Grand Final." So I wrote about, I know that NRL had a great grand final that year as well, but mm. AFL's more my sport. Mm. And um, it's the Hawthorne-Geelong game with Gary Ablett kicking nine goals and Hawthorne just prevailing in an amazing finish. You know, So I wrote a history of that game and that, that's been selling really well. Done, been a, it's been a winner for me. So It's amazing um, you can write a book on a grand final. <laughs> but, uh, well, it uh, ends up being a story of the era, really, about the decade. And, yeah. and was, yeah. uh, I think on your last episode on your podcast, was it, what was the name of the coach you featured? Uh, so he's called Alan Jeans, and he's, um, he's a legend of Australian footy, um, both at St Kilda and Hawthorne. And he gave a speech at halftime in that game that is the subject of the book. Um, called the pay the price speech and it's about paying the right price for a pair of shoes and uh the, the mum doesn't pay the right price for her son's shoes and the shoes fall apart and will you pay <laughs> the right price today so it, it was um right, right it's not a speech that has a existing recording but as i was writing the book all the hawthorne players spoke about this speech and so i made a different sort of podcast episode because it was much more of an audio documentary than um, than a single interview plus speech, which is the format of most of the episodes. Um, so, but a lot of fun to do and and to memorialise this very famous footy moment. So, um, yeah, that was episode two of the pod. 
I guess in uh, rugby league terms, Jack Gibson would be the oh, the, the yeah. king of speeches. Yeah, I have to I have to find one of his. He surely got one somewhere. Oh, he does. He yeah. does. I remember. Um, I can't remember which team won the grand final. Uh, was it? Oh, the Roosters, I think. Um, and they were in the wilderness for many, many years. And uh, he got up to make a seminal speech. I remember it clearly. Oh, well, I'll have to look it up. If it's on YouTube, it helps. But um, well, I think it was only, only a few words. Right. Okay. He said, yeah, he, okay. Said, he said he said ding dong the witch is dead. Yeah, well that's a, I have put up um I have put up those very uh brief and noteworthy sporting moments so that it doesn't matter how all speech is great and small, it doesn't matter how small it is. If Mate, it's, that if that, it's, um, that was as small as you can get. <laughs> I yeah, can't yeah. think of anything shorter. But but look, I, I just just a, one more question for you, uh, Tony, from me, and that is, and that is, is there a science behind behind great speech writing without making it too formulaic? There's there's there are in, there, sorry, uh, there are things that recur over and over. So often, anecdote plays a big part when the speaker drops into a personal story that engages the audience on that elemental level, the thing that you guys are doing, where you're saying, we all like to hear stories, um, we listen when it's a story, and we don't, we don't listen when we're being taught at. You know? So when your teacher goes, oh, you know, Western democracy is one of the most important structures in the history, we're not listening. But if you say... Um, during the first ever democratic election in the Greek square, five people were, were strangled for not voting. That's not true, by the way. But if you say that, <laughs> you're suddenly listening, right? You're paying and attention. So that, that, that element of listening, wanting to know what happens in a story is often used in speeches. Then um, uh, other things, I guess a, a, a single idea that you can hold on to. So, you know, Barack Obama was always throwing in, you know, hope and change or yes, we can. That sort of idea, um, maybe the speech is about progress, maybe the speech is about freedom, maybe the speech is about love, maybe the speech is about, you know, but, but to have a thing where people come out and they can say clearly in one or two sentences what that speech was about and then um, I guess how it's delivered is probably... That's almost the most important. What separates a speech from the written word on the page is that um, the voice, it's the theatre, it's the way that a, another human being can captivate us. So um, I'd say, you know, in, with that, there's things like volume and repetition, the rule of threes, amplification. You know, there's all these techniques um, as to which one will be the one that works um, in a given speech, I think it, it varies for each occasion. But I guess I guess the most important thing is that people should mix it up if they're um, if mix they're going to make a career of speak uh, speaking. Yeah, and get rid of all the jargony filler words. So we speak in quite a natural way. We don't oh. say it can be drawn from the fact that. And from these three conclusions, I would like now to point you towards two. You know, that's not <laughs> so that sort of thing. Um, that sort of thing, which is uh, the way that we read reports. You know, that's what people do wrong: is that they read out how they write their business reports. I think you uh, could teach. You, I think you could teach a few politicians a trick or uh, two, and the politicians. So, like, the difference between. I mean, I, I'm not criticising Scott Morrison's overall response to the virus because I, I think this. I'm a, lover of sport i think the scoreboard tells the story to a large extent but the when he was when he was not bunkering us down you know that's a that's a this is a once in a hundred years moment you know like that's where you stand up and you say as a nation we are under threat um, we are you know and you give that state of war type speech and jacinda Ardern did do one of those and mm. boris johnson did an okay one of those but um but but Scott Morrison got stuck in hairdressers are going to stay open, but the, like, yeah. that's the press. That's the leave that for the premiers or leave that for the um, you know the bureaucrats that come in after to give them the rules. Mm -hmm. There's no way Paul Keating would have mucked around with no. whether whether who's in charge of the no. hairdressers. No, he right. would have sat there and gone, "I'm Paul Keating. I'm awesome, and I'm in charge." Yep. You know, there would yeah. have been that sense of of uh, of leadership. 
Scotty um, from Scotty from marketing was ill advised <laughs> by his department. They shouldn't have made him do a thirty five minute wandery yeah, sort of yeah, thing meandering load of. It was all about detail. Detail isn't what you need from your no. in, in your moment of crisis. You need no. the crisis clearly articulated and the sense of purpose that's going to be that's behind our will to succeed. You know, just get those words right, get it out in five minutes and you're done. You know, Jacinda Ardern has gone on a few, gone in the speakola a few times because she's almost the exception. She does quite like those set pieces and she is very eloquent and she has a bit of a knack of, of um, and this is quite apart from politics. Like it, it, it's almost irrespective to what she's deciding. It's how she's articulating it. She is doing that better than ScoMo is and better than Trump is, I think. Um, Boris Johnson's a pretty good speaker as well, but um, the yeah, it, there's a there's a lack of it generally. Um, that to be clear, concise, you know, to ever ha to even have a crack at state of the nation stuff. Yeah, but you, you, know? you know, I mean, the incredible thing is how how one lady can project a small nation to the world stage so easily through her speeches. So it's a, incredible. Yeah, it has been. I think she's um, so. Yeah, we, we're we're judging it from afar because we see the media projection. So we're not living in New Zealand. Um, I I happen to sort of think she's probably governing pretty well as well. But it's very hard to to know when you're not kind of in the nitty gritty of of political life in a country. Um, but yeah, we we certainly don't have that clarity of of spoken word purpose that she projects. Um, yeah, yeah, she's, a, she's quite an amazing individual. So, Tony, how do people get in touch with you again? Just so they've um... so um, certainly speakola.com is the website. I'd love you to check it out. I'd love yeah. you to send me a speech. Um, yeah, there's a there's a email for speakola that is submissions at speakola.com. Yep. Um, my email is tony at tonywilson.com.au. And uh, if you go to my website, which is tonywilson.com.au, that's where all my books are. So if you want to, and actually one of my um, COVID-19 home industries, I've been selling signed copies of my books as yep. book packs. So if you want, you know, all my backstories to nursery rhymes, like you can buy them and just send me an email and we'll swap account and address and post them out. And, you know, that awesome. 1989, the great grand final, I've been sending out signed copies of that. So that's been a bit of a help in, in a tough time to be an artist. Awesome, Tony. So, um, Tony, last question. Um, yeah. Did we pick a song? I think you sent three. Um, well, I'm going to pick Rosalita by Bruce Springsteen. Okay. So, I'm obsessed with Bruce. Um, Fair I enough. To him all the time. He's uh, he is just one of my favourite human beings, um, and I think he'll stand up in those best couple of uh, pop. You know, not pop. I think he'll stand up as one of the you know best artists of the of our time, and so I've been to see him four times so far. If the world ever opens up again and he goes on tour, I've decided I'm going to become one of those um, you know one of those people that goes to three or four concerts on a tour and follows him round. So I, I love him, and and actually my son he's got cerebral palsy, and I um went and saw Bruce because my son used to watch Bruce live three hours a day, I reckon, on YouTube. He just became obsessed as well. Right. So Jack and I went to Amy Park in February of 2017 mm. and I wrote a story about him because he, we were really worried that he wouldn't cope with the noise. He's, he's got a few um, tendencies where he struggles with noise mm. and obviously it was going to be loud and had this incredible hour where he just really lapped it up. He loved it and he was in a backpack on my back and cheering and oh, it was just awesome. beautiful. Awesome. I wrote a piece, and I think it was the video that was watched a million times. Um, wow! So if you have a look at, um, if you look Tony Wilson, Bruce Springsteen yep. on Google, you'll find a little video of Jack at that concert. Awesome! Wow! Awesome, uh, Tony. Well, you'll be in good company because the Field Brothers, the Wiggles, a aka the Wiggles, they are obsessed with Bruce Springsteen as well. Yeah, good. And, go. I'm, and I'm guessing he features on your website somewhere. He's there. He's South by Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, um, once again, I, I personally want to thank you for helping me through my eulogy, even though we did it by afar. It was uh, uh, your words of uh, wisdom uh, were ringing true in my ears. So, um, thank, and also thanks for coming on today. It's been oh, great. thanks, George and Tony. Brett. And uh, yeah, your your 
eulogy will be up soon. Awesome. Once I've once I've sentenced cased it down from caps lock to ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you, you, you're so well spoken. It, thank it, you it, very it, much. You know, it, it's easy to understand why you can write a speech or two. Ah, uh, thank you very much. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. See you later. See you. Bye. Take care. See Good.
guitar 